This week on the Steam Machine Podcast, Gordon Freeman Sloppy Toppy. Cue the music. Did you say Gordon? Okay. Welcome back to the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and Willie, I am leaving that in so people can just hear it kind of behind the music and wonder what you said. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, my name is Dalton, and joining me as always are the Destructive Bros themselves. Hey, y'all, it's Nate. <laughs> hey, it's Willie. Uh, nice to meet you. Or welcome back. Or nice to meet your back. Yeah, uh, nice to back your meat. Hey. I mean, what? Nice. There it is, winner. Yeah, man. And this week, it's like the uh, we wanted something else to get us through this semi-charmed half-life, baby, baby. Yeah, dude, two forehead slaps. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Killing the game today, oh. Dalton. Killing the game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, it was only half alive. Zing. Half-life. My goodness, I need to get out of the dad jokes part of our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what you guys been <laughs> this week or the past two weeks? Yeah, so like I've been had a pretty busy couple weeks. So like I ended up having a trip to um, Seattle for my new job, and one of my favorite things because like I, whenever I talk to somebody from Seattle, I love to do this just to get the reaction. So if you ever talk to somebody from Seattle, ask them. So do you miss the Supersonics? Everybody's Ooh. mood just changes when you ask them the question. Everybody is so butthurt about the Supersonics from Seattle. <laughs> and like, I get it. It sucks. They should still have a basketball team. But just the reaction that you get for asking that question is kind of hilarious. I get it, though, because there are a lot of sports teams that I don't feel bad about them moving. I'm not like, man, the St. Louis Browns should come home. The only reason the Sonics aren't the saddest one is because the Hartford Whalers yeah. existed. <laughs> Speaking of uh, hockey teams, too, though, like they, they, nobody seems yeah. to care up there that I talk to, at least, about the Kraken. And I think I know why. So, I mean, it's a pretty new team. They don't have their own homegrown right, players it's a new yet, team, right? But ticket prices up there for um, games are already ridiculous. They're, they're already charging what the Predators charged after they went to the Stanley Cup Finals for tickets. Like, you remember when we first moved to Nashville... You could get to a Preds game for like twenty yeah. bucks. They haven't gotten to have that experience like we did. They built a lot of like fan base when they did that with us, like because the and now like, yeah. it's so now it's impossible for sort of Preds fans to go to Preds games, but but it's all. But it used to be so cheap. You're right, because like I mean, even the like the five k where they give out tickets at the end of the race, which they absolutely do not do now. Now it's like a ten percent discount coupon off of four games that no one yeah. wants to go so, to. So like. Seattle, Kraken never got that experience because they came out the gate charging hella for tickets. That's unfortunate. Like, I feel like Nashville was a great lesson for how to build a hockey fan base because, like, they knew, like, hey, there's a bunch of, you know, guys that moved down here from Detroit. We can sell them tickets for a little cheap and be like, we know this ain't your home team, but, you know, you're going to like them. And, like, once you've got people in the stadium, like, honestly, once you've been to a hockey game, you want to go again. It's one of the best fan experiences in sports. Yeah, I got to go when I was up visiting Ryan, and it wasn't 
it, it wasn't NHL. It was the like the AAA league or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like the the uh, AHL. It might have been AHL. There's a NHL is the top level. AHL is like AAA, and then there's ECHL, which is like the next uh, one down. I wish. If you remember a team name, I that wish help. I could tell you. I think it was, like, it was the Rochester. Uh, Rochester sounds like it would be AHL because they're AAA in baseball. I'll look it up. Yeah, please do because I got that. Oh, it's the. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the Rochester Americans. Americans. Yeah, we went yeah. and saw them. Yeah, that's it. That's AHL. So that's like the next level down from the NHL. So I've been to a football game. Uh, I went and saw the Jaguars play once, mm-hmm. um, and they won that day. So that was cool. That's a rarity. Um, <laughs> And then <laughs> I've been to like a basketball game and I've seen some other sports stuff, but dude, going to that hockey game was the coolest fucking experience that I've had at a sports event. I can only imagine too, because like AHL being the mind, like basically minor league, minor league sports games are so much fun to go to. Like if you've ever been to a minor league baseball game, those are a blast. Yeah. So I can only imagine like a minor league hockey game, just being the full of the drunkest, most rowdy idiots and having a great time. <laughs> oh Yeah. Ryan brought a hat and he goes, and I was like, why do you have a hat? And he goes, dude, because if they score three points tonight, it's a hat trick. Everybody's got to throw their hat on the court or on the ice. And I was like, really? Yeah. He's like, yeah, sometimes it takes like 10 minutes for him to clean up all the hats. <laughs> I was like, that's tremendous. I got a-, a couple of teams have different traditions than a hat. <laughs> Detroit with their throwing octopuses at the thing. <laughs> and then Nashville kind of did a riff on that while throwing like Southern catfish <laughs> out there. <laughs> that's tremendous. Hockey's a weird game, and people that play it are weird dudes. I, I, I love rant, it. though, real quick, about uh, minor league baseball around me. So there used to be this team in Jacksonville called the Jacksonville Suns, right? And growing up, always on the radio, Jacksonville's never been hotter with the Jacksonville Suns. I'm sorry, baseball's never been hotter with the Jacksonville Suns, <laughs> right? Nice. Somebody else bought it. That's Somebody a good else jingle. bought it, and they changed the name. They changed the name. No, what to? To the Jacksonville Jumbo shrimp. Now, I now I want you to I want you to hear me out on this. I was asked why he did this. <laughs> he said, "Because the sun burns you, and people love jumbo shrimp." <laughs> <laughs> like, are you fucking serious, bro? That's fantastic. It's not wrong. <laughs> oh, dude, so now, that just like reminds me of like um, when I was in college, they were bringing a um minor league baseball team to Bowling Green, which is the city I went to uh, college in. And they did like a big thing where they were doing like all these polls and stuff to get like fan support, see what everybody liked. And I was so mad that they didn't go with the one I liked the best. So what they went with was regionally appropriate was the Bowling Green Hot Rods because Bowling Green's the town where they make all the Corvettes and all that kind of stuff. They have the National Corvette Convention there every year and all that. But... I really wanted them to go with the Bowling Green Bluegills because then you had the BGBGs and that just would have been so good. Yeah, I agree. BGBGs, yeah, dude. Because that, that, think about the marketing you could do with that. The fucking license the BGs. People <laughs> love like weird minor league teams, you know. Like people that don't live nowhere near like Montgomery or whatever will buy Montgomery biscuits hats and shit, you know. Uh, Huntsville recently got a team they called the Rocket City Trash Pandas with a raccoon mascot. That's so cool. They're, and you can't forget the Toledo Mud Hens. That's, <laughs> that's such a good that's name a, too. That's a tremendous name. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Was... Sorry if I was talking over anyone there. My Discord was like going in and out. And I have no idea if you guys can even hear me. I can hear you now. Yeah. It's like that commercial. Okay. That'll okay. be a fun edit, Dalton. 
Oh yeah, I just I just make a note of the time. It's all good. Um, <coughs> oh Jesus Christ, I'm coughing anyway. Um, so I gotta tell you, this week, boys, I loaded up. You know, I've been playing a lot of WWE 2K22, right? And I will give them credit that they have released a lot of updates to like fix things that were wrong. My only complaint with it now is if you are using custom superstars, it takes for god damn ever to load like so if you turn off entrances it'll cut down on the loading time some but i had a match where it was one of my created dudes versus like seth rollins right and seth rollins is in the game so he's not created it's turned entrances off and i hit start i hit play right and i uh started the timer on my phone and from the time for it to load to the time that I hit okay to start the match was two minutes and 27 seconds. Wow. And that's Ooh. with entrances off and only one created character. Now, I've done matches where it's like four to five created characters. And, dude, I can go make a sandwich. I wonder how they do that. Like, they got to be like that storing would, that the assets. my ass. They got to be like storing the assets in a different folder or something for that. Cause like, I don't understand why that would be that hard on the system. I'm not really sure, and that's on my SSD. Like, I can't imagine if I had that on my normal hard drive, it would take forever. But, like, custom characters are, like, one of the most fun parts about wrestling games in the first place. Like, the creator-wrestler mode is one of the biggest attractions to me of a wrestling game. Especially when you see people's, like, insane creations out there, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I Most of my roster... So, I've gotten into, like, where I'll create a few people that I've created every year. Like, I've told you guys, Blade, Razor Storm. There's, like, a few people that I always create. But then I go and download people. And I'll I'll be like, yeah. they look cool. I hate their name. I'll rebrand. I go straight Vince McMahon. I love your look. I hate your yeah. name. You're going to be this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Braun Breaker. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Your name is Rex Steiner. And they're like, we're going to call you Braun Breaker. Come the fuck on. You were born with a wrestler's name. <laughs> the worst thing WWE does is when they, like, rename second-generation talent to make it less obvious that they're second gen- Like, sell that! It's huge! Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I, I guess sometimes it's the, uh, they don't want to harp on, um, like, maybe the person doesn't want to ride the coattails of their their formers, you know what I'm saying? But, at the same time, like... I get you. That gives you that little bit of... Uh, relation with the crowd oh i remember his dad or i remember his uncle yeah 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 it's like curtis axel is kurt hennig's kid why can't he be kurt perfect or something yeah. you know i don't know i don't know man i i, that, I don't know it just kills me like they they do a lot right with their marketing obviously because they're the biggest wrestling company in the world so i can't completely shoot them for that but there are just some decisions they make that i found boggling yeah. dog well, i will say one thing that they did this year in the game that i quite enjoy is so you know how they have the normal like the story mode or whatever but they also have in universe mode which is the mode that i always use because you can book your own shows with your own rosters and all of that um yeah kind of just set up your own storylines and things they have it where you can play classic mode which is that or you can play superstar mode which is where you just choose one character and then you play as them in this world that you've created right so i've been playing as niall ohala and uh just it's been a fucking blast, dude. I really like it. Um, I moved up from NXT to the main roster. I had one, had one match. And the next match was a pay per view match for the ma- for the heavyweight title, <laughs> and that was the match with Seth what? Rollins that I mentioned. And now I'm the champion. 
and uh yeah i i imagine i almost want to set the crowd to boo me because i got pushed way too quick that's major goldberg energy oh yeah, yeah. you got that uh <laughs> you got that ginger mahal heat right now man you're too much too fast oh, goodness dude that you know what i would like to see that actually no i wouldn't i was gonna say ginger mahal versus goldberg but never mind like that i mean they're they they're not as bad as the crowd suggestions would have you think it's just they're all I, I don't see i don't really no in there maybe maybe goldberg the in his heyday versus like jinder mahal now but like i don't i don't want to see like old man mm. goldberg getting there and hurt somebody like he did undertaker you mean oldberg old yeah oldberg <laughs> hey goldberg i mean goldberg was hurting people pretty early on in his career though he gave that concussion That's to true. Bret, Hart he Bret hart's career with one single kick and if you ask Bret hart about it he'll talk to you about it for an extended period of time Oh, I yeah. bet Bret Hart will talk about it. Bret Hart is not the kind of guy that <laughs> won't talk about shit like that. Yeah. Um. Some other some other quick updates from me. Uh, I got an achievement in Final Fantasy VI that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, so I'm doing a let's play for the JRPG Report Patreon, and the version okay. of Final Fantasy VI that I have is no longer available on Steam. The only one you can get now is the Pixel Remaster, right? So I got this right. achievement. Let me. I should have this already pulled up because I'm a professional, but I'm not. So, yeah. Okay, I got an achievement just for loading up the game and starting it. It was called Customer Appreciation. Thank you for purchasing the game. <laughs> I am one of the last people who will ever get that achievement. It's pretty cool. 93.7 people have that achievement, what which about tells me that... The other 2%. <laughs> I, I, Wait, I no. don't know. 93.7, no, no. so that's oh, like man. 6%. What the heck? Yeah, that just have it and have it <laughs> that reminds me of freaking um in cookie clicker there's an achievement for clicking the cookie for the first time and the guy that made the game ortiel looked into the files and found out only point there 99.6 percent of people who've opened the game have that achievement and so he's like nothing but terror and admiration do i have for the four or the point four percent of human beings that opened up the game didn't cook the clicky uh, click the cookie and then closed it <laughs> Game is called just, Cookie Clicker. Come on, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> um, I also I was watching a video uh, that was talking about Half Life and stuff. Um, just because I was trying to get some more like background information and things like that, and it mentioned Titanfall Two. That the the campaign mm. in Titanfall Two is probably the closest thing that you'll have to Half Life Three. Now, this was posted. This video was posted before Half Life Alex was a thing, right? Okay. It was the uh, the no clip documentary on Half Life. If anybody wants to go watch it, and so I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I went and I looked up Titanfall Two, and that motherfucker was on sale for like four dollars, and nice. I was like, yeah, oh, click, thank you. I'll take that. So I'm gonna check that out eventually. Um, Nate. I have one major qualm with oh, Titanfall right. 2. It's that it also abbreviates to TF2, so when people say that phrase in a first-person shooter space, I don't know which one <laughs> they mean at first. <laughs> that's fair. That's a that's a fair qualm. Uh, Otherwise, the game looks absolutely sick. I really do want to get around to it. Speaking of games we picked up lately, I picked up yeah. uh, Sonic Colors this uh, week, yeah. and I've already beat it. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because... I'm I feel like you just got that game, and then the, like last night I woke up from my stupor and I look at the phone and there's the credits thing, and I'm like, "Oh shitty, already?" Yeah, so it's a pretty short game and it's easy to get through, yeah. like the main story part of it. But there's a lot of like extras and stuff you can go down 
like I haven't unlocked Supersonic or got the Chaos Emeralds, that kind of stuff. So I have a lot more that I can go back and do. And the good news is I like the game so much that I plan on doing it. Like this is now now my favorite 3D Sonic game. Like it's fantastic and I highly recommend it out. Hell yeah, hell yeah, dude. What was uh, what was your pick for favorite 3D before this? One? Uh, maybe Sonic Adventure, the first one. I like one I say better one than or two, two. Personally, okay. what? It wasn't that one that you got off of my abandoned wear. That was good, but like, <laughs> uh, dude, yeah, yeah. I like I like Sonic Colors a lot. I got it for the Wii when it came out. I did loan Nathan my copy of it, but it's the year twenty twenty two, and it's not really all that easy to play Wii games if you haven't kept a Wii U hooked up this whole time. And there's no reason to keep a Wii U hooked up this time because all the good games that came out for it came out in improved versions yeah. for the Switch at this point. Like, what were our main favorite Wii U games? I don't know. Uh, Mario Kart 8, Splatoon, and um, Super Mario Maker. All of those are just on the Switch. Why do you need a Wii U? Oh, wait. Splatoon 2. Oh, wait. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let me run through this real quick. The the Community uh, Factory Sealed Fantasy Critic League. Um, Oh, yeah. It's been a minute since we got a big update on that. I filled my roster. I don't know if I mentioned this last episode or not. Um, my last game I got was Digimon Survive. Nice. You love so Digimon. I do love Digimon. And um, I'm still iffy on the Kalisto Protocol, but there were some screenshots of it released um, that I shared with the, this group. I'll share it in the, the Steam Machine. Too, yeah. That they are fucking creepy looking, dude. They're very heavy Dead Space vibes because it's by the people who made the original Dead Space. And... Uh, uh, that game is really show like I mean I know Matrix already did but holy shit this game is showing off what Unreal Engine four uh, five is yeah, capable yeah. of and it's um it's still slated to come out this year so fingers crossed um unfortunately I got a big fat zero for Starfield um because that game got mm. delayed mm. till next year and yeah. I can't drop it because it was counterpicked by somebody oof so I get a zero they get a zero. Uh- at least they wasted their yeah. counter pick. Well, unfortunately, it was uh, Jer- or- Oregon donor uh, Jeremy from Oregon, who's the one who hasn't drafted anything since. So, oh, so not really taking out a rival. Yeah, you know, no, huh? yeah, it just fucked me, and then just whatever. Um, so there is a slight chance that uh, Jeremy from Yasfod could win this, but I still have hope because he's got like three games on his list. I'm sure are not coming out this year. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see though. Although he does have Shredder's Revenge, and I keep seeing things about that's getting closer to being released. I'm not afraid just because Elden Ring turned out to be for you like if the BFG 9000 and the Queen from Chess had a kid. Like, it is the ultimate weapon. Yeah, yeah. Unfor- like, unfor- if I didn't take that Star Wars The Old Republic DLC, I'd be sitting pretty right now. But, you know, I lost eight points there, so... um. Yeah, I mean, I get it, though, because the phrase Old Republic is a really tempting phrase. Like, like oh, it's got to be a good game. Those words oh, are I mean, KOTOR. I love the uh, I love that MMO. It's just sad that that expansion just didn't do what it was supposed to. Um, I'm trying yeah. to see if there's any releases that have come out. Uh, a Memoir Blue released for Mike, and it got a 72, so you got two points. Um I don't even think I know what Memoir Blue is. He he posted today that the game replaced that he had on his list got delayed, so that he got a zero for that. But he got an eighty-eight for Destiny Two: The Witch Queen. Nice expansion. So he got his fucking eighteen points from that, which is fucking that's good. Um, let's see. Steph 
or excuse me, Madokin Queen. She doesn't like when people use her name, Steph. Steph. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dick. Martha is dead. Oh yeah, we have to talk about it. It's, I still have to bring it up because it got a sixty-nine. Nice, nice. Uh, Ghostwire nice. Tokyo seventy-seven. Evil Dead the game seventy-four. That is somehow better and worse than Dude, I thought it was going to be. The get. first few reviews for Evil Dead were trash. Like, isn't and, it like yeah. another game that's kind of like um, yes. what's the name of that game? Just tell Dead me. Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight. Thank you. Yeah, Dead by Daylight. It's another yeah. game like that. Four versus one. Uh, but apparently, like you get guns and stuff in it, so I might be a little more into it than Dead by Daylight, where it's just playing hide and seek and not get killed. Um, what idiot called it Evil Dead the game and not Dead by Dawn? <laughs> That's literally a phrase from those movies. <clears throat> and then she she had Kerbal Space Program too, but that got delayed, so she got a, a zero for delayed, that. Sad. And I don't think she realizes that she can drop that because it's not counterpicked. But we'll see if she listens to the podcast and hears you say that. She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's see. Hey, Madokin, I keep it in your thing. I believe in you, mainly because I just want that to come out sooner. Because I would like to play it. Trek the Yomi got a a score. Um, Philly G has Trek the Yomi. It got a seventy-one, which seems real low for that. That's like the Kurosawa looking samurai game. The whole mm. thing's in black and white. It's really stylized looking. It looks. I watched PlayStation Access stream it, and it looked fantastic. I don't. I don't know. My best guess is maybe it got unfavorable comparisons to Ghosts of Tsushima, which was also a Japan set game that had really hot, cool like directorial style. That's possible. Yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. Whew, I hope that gets put to P, uh, brought the PC eventually. Fuck. I swear that game is so beautiful. I've, I don't even really know what the game is about, but I will look at screenshots people take of it yeah. any day. Uh oh, and here's one that I want you guys' opinion on, um, because I think you guys have more. Like you had a Wii, so you might know a little bit more about this than me. Um, N- Nintendo Switch Sports got a rating. I have no idea where it this got a seventy-two. I can see that because, like, I know that a lot of people were not happy about how the Miis look. They, there was such a big because Nintendo fans are goobers, but there was such a big backlash on the way the characters look in the game. But it seems to me that it's probably too similar to the original Wii Sports, which honestly I don't think plays well in 2022 when there's just so many different options now. That makes sense. I think that that is weird though that they're mad about the Miis because it's like, what? What are? Why are we protesting Switch Sports? Because it doesn't use the models from the Wii version. Why are we protesting Sword and Shield? Because they use the <laughs> models from older versions. Fuck off, Nintendo say, and fans. this sums up video game fandom, right? <laughs> I t- it's probably not the same people. I'm probably conflating things, and I like Nintendo games too. I'm just being a dillweed because I sometimes complaining just comes off as really goofy. I think it was it was you that coined it. It was like uh, I wake up sometimes. I, I I said I woke up and chose violence, and you were like, I think you just woke up and chose not being able to tolerate idiots or something like that. you said something along those lines so was, today was yeah. one of those days that i woke up and i was in the bathroom and i'm scrolling through on my phone on facebook and i'm in this group called uh rpg sanctuary and someone was just being a real cunt and i let them know that they were being a real cunt and uh i ended up blocking like 12 people on this comment section i should just stop clicking comment sections like seriously i really should like i should just enjoy the post for what it is and not click Believe. comment sections. but I did get a 24-hour ban from activity in groups on <laughs> Facebook for calling them a cunt. 
um, even though that when I called them a cunt, uh, they, they were, were being one? they were being one. I mean, and Facebook sent me a message and they were like, "Hey, this goes against community standards, so we're not even going to post it." But here's a warning. So, okay, whatever. And then they decided to ban me anyway. I guess because they were like, "Oh, we've put this guy in Facebook jail for stuff like this before." Wait, it's that Dalton again. <laughs> it's it's me. He was seen near the fight. We kind of put him in detention. Story of my life, son. Story of my life. <laughs> oh, believe me, I've been listening. I've, I've been listening to old Yabs pods when I'm at work and stuff. I haven't quite caught up yet, and that has definitely been a yeah, running theme for sure. Um, so I thought of you guys this week, Aww. or really this this past whole month. Um, I'm playing through Edge of Eternity, and I won't say it's Dragon Quest Eleven good, right? I'm not going to go that far, but it's the same style of big sprawling open world esque RPG. Uh, it's made by French developers, but it's definitely a JRPG style. Um, really, really fucking fun. I think you guys would really enjoy it. That sounds awesome. So it's like just big adventure fun time? Uh, pretty much. Like you're this character, and then like now I'm with his sister, and you're kind of like roaming around. I haven't gotten any more of the uh, the party members yet, but it's just these big, open, beautiful landscapes, you know, and the when you go into the battle, it's like you can do that thing where you attack them first, and you can get the the player initiative type thing, right? Um, I love that. Yeah. But the battle takes place where you're at, like so it'll transition to a battle, but you're still in the same spot you were in the map. So like if there's a chest over to the left that you haven't opened yet, you'll be able to see it, and you'll just be like, oh, I need to go get that after this battle's <laughs> over, and then you can run over there and snag it. It's Didn't fun. trails do that? Uh, yeah, in in a sense, yeah, trails did. I guess Chrono Trigger is probably the, the the game that I really associate with that seamless transition between combat or between overworld and combat. Because, like, the enemies are visible in the overworld and Chrono yeah. Trigger for the most part. And then, like, when the fight starts... Well, overworld's not the word I mean. It's the, you know, level area. But, like, it immediately goes into the combat. It's just, I don't know, I thought that was cool. Yeah. And uh, one thing, one of the mechanic in Edge of Eternity that I find interesting is, like, in the like if you go into a battle, like, say it'll give you, a, like, a little challenge. Like, it'll be, like, kill the marked enemy last. And there will be, like, this little mark thing on the enemies. So if you kill that thing last, it gives you extra money, which I think is called like here or something like that. H-Y-U-R. I don't know. You know, they always have to name their money some weird name that's hard to pronounce. But anyways, um, it's really, it's just really fun. I think you guys would really enjoy it. Uh, it might be on my list of games to pick. You know what I mean? Sweet. I don't remember if I had put it on my list or not, but. All right. I'll, I'll keep up that in mind. It's uh, Edge of Tomorrow starring Tom there Cruise and Emily Blunt. And, uh. In other games that we picked up, uh, Nate, you picked up a game for Game Buds that I wanted to bring up because it's so goddamn fun. Uh, if you wanted to talk about it a little bit, my good sir. Yeah, so we, uh, I went ahead and got uh, Rift Tracks, the game, last week for us to play. And, man, if y'all played Jackbox games and have ever watched like Rift Tracks or Mystery Science Theater 3000, like this is like the perfect game for anybody. So basically what you do is it plays you this clip from one of these old movies that... It's famously been made fun of on Rift Tracks. And then it gives you the opportunity to fill in the blank to basically make fun of the scene, fill in the next line. And you can just do all kinds of hilarious stuff with it. And like the group we had last week was just absolutely killing it. Shout outs to Kana because I know she was there when we were playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a blast then. I mean, Jeff, Jeff was, was too. Jeff, yeah. Yep. Jeff, Jeff was, was there too. Yeah. I think that 
one of the things that really impressed me is the game uses like a text-to-speech, and the text-to-speech recognizes stuff you would not expect one to do a lot of the time. Like, sometimes it misses, but sometimes it's surprisingly yeah, I, good. The only thing I really noticed is it doesn't like when you capitalize an entire word. It will just read out the letters, which is sometimes even yeah, funnier. I, I tried to use it for screaming, and occasionally it would just spell it out. was funnier or something. The cool yes. thing about the, t- the TTS on that too was it gave you multiple um, voice options. Like you had man and woman, and then you could do other language accent type things too, which I thought was a pretty neat touch. Yeah, the first time I heard somebody come in with the Japanese accent, it threw me off because I didn't realize you could do that. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, how did you get it to do that? And it took me like three rounds because I didn't want to ask and be like, how do you do that? <laughs> I figured, oh, they just figured it out. I'll figure it out. It took me like three rounds to finally see the button where I was like, oh, okay, it's there. Gotcha. It was great comedy timing, too, because I think they did that right when it was like Attack of the Super Monster or something, which was like an anime movie. And they were just like, I'll switch to the Japanese voice. None will expect <laughs> this. You were right. Didn't see that coming. I didn't know it was an option. And while, we're, while we're on the subject of Game Buds, uh, if you're part of Game Buds and you listen to the show, go shame the ones that don't. <laughs> just, just let them have it and tell them to fucking listen to the show. Anyway. Really steam yeah, their machine. Really pod their cast. Fuck their butts. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, boys. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we dive into the game of the week? Uh, yeah, right. I got one more thing. Uh, this is almost a transition topic, though. So I was waiting until you guys were out of stuff. But I've seen uh, recently, I was watching a, uh, a video about Matt McMuscles. And at the beginning of it, he had a uh, preview for this upcoming movie that has been kickstarted successfully called FPS First Person Sugar, the definitive FPS documentary. This is looking really good. Like they've got so many of the important people in first person shooter history to do this comprehensive documentary on the history of it. Like they've got, you know, John Romero, John and Adrian Carmack. I don't know why I said it like that because they're not related. They're just both named Carmack, which is crazy. They got like Ken Silverman, the guy who basically made the build engine that, like, you know, Duke Nukem and Shadow Warrior and Blood and all those are built off of. They got professional players like, uh, let's scroll down real quick, like, uh, Thresh, who was the guy that invented WASD controls and, uh, Valkyrie. They got, like, YouTube people, like, the angry video game nerd is in it for some reason. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they brought, like, pretty much, I, just a ton of people here and like really picked their brains and interviewed them about this stuff. And it's like, I don't know, like I love early FPS games and obviously that's what we're working on this week. So that's super awesome. But like, this is going to be a really good movie. I'm really looking forward to it. And they've already hit their funding goal by like four times over with an expected release date in December of this oh, year. Oh yeah, man. What was the name of that one more time? If you wanted to look it up. Yeah, absolutely. It's called FPS first person shooter, the definitive FPS documentary. Hmm. That, that's rad i will definitely check that out when it comes out i love gaming documentaries yeah i i uh i left a link of it link to it in the show notes if you wanted to link it in the uh, description but if not don't worry too much about it because if you just type first person shooter the definitive fps documentary yeah. i'm sure you'll find it oh yeah man it's like i'm just so impressed i got all those people with so much historical knowledge from so many branches of the like it's not just like an id-centric thing. They got like Valve people. They got like Apogee people. They got like professionals who never actually worked on a game but played the game for a living. Like it's going to be cool. Yeah, it's always interesting to like get the the well-rounded, like the people who worked on it and then the people who have like played the shit out of it. You know what I mean? It's always good. Yeah. Um, and speaking of games that people have played the shit of, uh, I personally know people who have 
played our game of the week this week, which is Half-Life, uh, in their youth for years. And that was like the only game that they played, right? <laughs> Half-Life and the mods there within that we'll talk about later. But since we're going to be getting into Half-Life, uh, I do have some O-dubs for us. Uh, Half-Life is a 1998 first-person shooter game developed by Valve and published by Sierra Studios for Windows. A lot of people seem to forget, just real quick, that Sierra published the first Half-Life. That is right? wild, yeah. I'm so used to thinking of Valve as self-published, like as a publisher these days. Like, I mean, they're more of a clearinghouse for media than anything else. Yeah. Fucking strange, man. Uh, it was Valve's debut product in the first game in the Half-Life series. Players assume the role of Gordon Freeman, otherwise known as... Gordon Freeman? A scientist who must escape to Black Mesa research... We're going to have to explain that. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> uh, a scientist who must escape the Black Mesa research facility after it's invaded by aliens. The gameplay consists of combat, exploration, and puzzle solving. Unlike other games of its time, the player has almost uninterrupted control of the player character, and the story is told mostly in scripted sequences rather than cutscenes. Uh, Valve co-founder Gabe Newell said that the team was disappointed with the lack of innovation in the first-person shooter genre and aimed to create an immersive world rather than a shooting gallery. Uh, Valve developed using Gold Source, a heavily modified version of the Quake engine, licensed from id Software. Uh, science fiction novelist Mark Laidlaw was hired to help shape the story and assist with the design. And it received claim. <clears throat> take two. It received acclaim for its graphics, gameplay, and narrative, and won over 50 PC Game of the Year awards. Uh, it's considered one of the most influential first-person shooter games and one of the best video games ever made. Uh, by 2008, it sold over 9 million copies, and it was followed by the expansion packs Opposing Force and Blue Shift, which I'll touch on a little bit later, um, which those were developed by Gearbox Software. And... Uh, Starting to develop an extended FPS universe yeah, here. Yeah, and if you, Gearbox software sounds familiar to you, it's because they did Borderlands, uh-huh. Duke Nukem, Alien Colonial Marines, uh, Brothers in Arms. Like they've done all kinds of stuff, but they're mostly known for Borderlands. And uh, yeah, uh, this also Half Life got ported to the PlayStation Two, which I did not realize. I thought it came out on PS3 in the uh, the orange box, but I guess that would have been Half Life Two. Yeah. Um, huh. I didn't realize it did yeah, come up for yeah, this. And the PS2 well. came with a, an expansion that was exclusive to that at the time called Half-Life Decay, which I think people have made available to play on PC these days because, you know, PC gamers are not going to have that shit. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then one other thing we'll touch on. You could pry our terrible console exclusive package or expansion packets out of our dead hands. We will play Map 33 of the Xbox 360 version of Doom 2, even though it's <laughs> awful. right. And uh, another thing I will touch on a little bit later is the uh, Black Mesa remake. Yeah. So I'm curious, did either of you have any previous experience with Half-Life before going into this? No, this is absolutely my first time playing it. Um, As a game, no, I've never actually played it. I have watched uh, some stuff about it, including like a comedy video series that I'm going to have to end up talking about sooner rather than later. But uh, no, I, I never directly personally experienced any Half-Life games other than other games that use this engine like Portal. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So like I've played some Source games, but I've never played Half-Life or any of the games in the series. Not not even the yeah, VR that's, new one. That's pretty much the same with me, man. Um, For some reason, I never played Half-Life, but I played the shit out of Counter-Strike. And there was another mm-hmm. game that came from Half-Life that like, well, there, I have a list of them for later, but... uh. Was it called Ricochet? 
I think it was. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. You had like it was almost like Tron esque. Like I don't know how to describe it. It was an interesting game. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing to me like what they could do in, in the source engine just in general. It makes me want to kind of dive into it and see if I could do anything with it. You know? Oh yeah. Why not? I mean, people are still making mods for these games these days. But like, so my first impression yeah. of this, like trying to put myself back into 1998, you load into the game, the game starts, and you're there, Bo. You're there. Like, yeah. it's not a cutscene. It's not anything. You can move around in the train and look around and watch everything going on. And, like, what a mind blowing experience that must have been back then. You know? Like, I just, I'm trying to, like, put myself, like, okay, so say, say you picked this up first day and, like, you, you, the only games that you really knew about were, like, Doom, Wolfenstein, and those types of games, like, first person shooters. Cause I don't really know what really came out between now and the Heretic and shit like that. This would have been after Heretic and Quake and Duke Nukem and stuff. So this is 1998, I think. So it's been a few years since a really innovative game came out, which would have been probably Quake in like 95. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quake then. And just the jump in the interactivity and the different things that you can do in this would have been like staggering to me back then. You know, so like, what, what did you think? Like when you first loaded in and you were just like, oh shit, I'm on this train. The game has started. Either. Oh, I mean, I, I knew that the game started off on a train ride with a, uh, a monologue on it and all that, but, like, I didn't really know what was going on in it. And, like, not only is, like, are you... It gives you the feel that you're writing the game because it's the opening credit sequence, right? Like, how old movies used to open with the credits instead of end with them. And, like, while this is happening, you could walk around the train, look around, and, in fact, you're definitely encouraged to look around because they, they time the elements out really well. Like, they'll be talking at one point about, like, you know, all Black Mesa facility attendants must uh, submit to monthly radiation screenings. And as that's going on, you see some really ominous looking green goo somewhere beneath <laughs> you, stuff like that. The bad news is because Portal is basically a game that takes place in a parody of Black Mesa and I've already played Portal, I was kind of finding everything a little <laughs> bit hilarious. <laughs> Because I'm like, I-, I know where this is going to go. Like, this is going yeah. to go bad. Maybe Black Mesa. That was a joke. Ha uh-huh. ha, fat chance. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha. Um, yeah, I, one of my favorite moments in that in that opening scene was when the dude, like, you're just going, and if you just like look to your right and down a little bit, there's a guy who just runs towards the door and just starts beating on the door, like, "Oh my god, let me in, please, let me in." And I don't really know what the fuck was going on. It it doesn't explain anything that you see. You're just kind of like on your way to work. This is just shit that you see on your way to work. Yeah, like, I think it also did a really good job early on of letting you know that access issues were going to be a problem because, like, you couldn't even get off the train and go into the first yeah. area until, like, the security guard came and buzzed you in and all that. So it did a really good job of letting you know, like, yeah, you work here, but you were not important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know what's interesting about the original Half-Life is that, so the AI for your companions and enemies and everything, they can only do, like, one thing at a time, Right. So they cannot talk and move at the same time. That's why they'll walk and they'll stop and they'll look at you and then they'll talk and then they'll keep walking or your enemies will shoot it. They'll stand still and shoot at you, but then they run and take cover because they have to stand still while they reload because they can't reload and move at the same time. I feel like that worked out nicely for the gameplay, especially though, because like this is still fairly early on in the FPS timeline and we aren't all mega super duper skilled and stuff. So like having, you know, that chance to get used to these controls, because I think this was the first game that shipped with WASD and mouse as its default controls. Really? 
I didn't understand. I didn't realize really? like for the longest time that that was like not standard for the longest time. Like, fun fact: that documentary I was talking about has the player uh, Dennis Fong, I believe his name is. He was the guy that popularized that by using it to whip everyone's ass in Quake tournaments back in the day. He, he was like so sick with Wazd and Mouse that everyone's like, "Well, shit, that's got to be the good way to play. I'm gonna do that now too." And then it started becoming default in the actual games themselves. Because before that, a lot of times people were controlling games with the arrow keys to move and like the alt button to strafe and the control key to shift and all that. And he was like, no, 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 no. Mouse look, use your fingers in like an arrow key shape, but it doesn't make sense to use your arrow keys because that's too far over. So you use the WASD. And like that became the dominant paradigm in not just first person shooters, but eventually all first person I don't know if it'll games. let me lift it up high enough, but that's why now, yeah, yeah. WASD yep. is red, just like the arrow keys. It's just so strange to me that that wasn't a thing at one point. <laughs> And I think that's yeah. really like changed the direction of like keyboard and mouse games in general because like now that everything is set to WASD, like when you're playing a game, like usually like your F key will do something, your E key will do something. You just have to move one finger off of your mm. arrow keys essentially yeah. now to perform a different action. And it gives you a lot more availability to do actions than you had back in Doom and Quake because now it's just so much easier to access so many more different um, functions. Yeah, yeah you're not having to reach across the whole keyboard to do so, which is nice. Yeah, because that 1993 Wolfenstein keyboard layout is really awkward compared to just the simple perfectness that the West yeah, has, like, you know? Like, also, your fingers are even closer to the number keys, so you can switch weapons more easily. And then you have the complete opposite of that, which is what my buddy Dustin, shout out Dustin, uh, found out when he loaded up Arma 3. And I told him, bro, you're going to learn your keyboard real well, because I would say every key on your keyboard does something in Arma 3. Kill me. Like, it, <laughs> It, it is I, a legit first person. I made us play Kerbal Space Program last time, and I'm still terrified of games like <laughs> that. It is like a that. simulation, bro. I have not gotten past like the first level without putting on God mode, because you take like two, three bullets, you're toast. <laughs> <laughs> but on the same vein, your enemies take two, three bullets, they're toast. So you just gotta be, you just gotta be, get good, scrub, I guess. And I'm just not good. <laughs> but I, I did like the pacing in the beginning, like. And it's very funny to me, too, like when you're walking mm. through the hallways, there are like three scientists that you see about a hundred times. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's absolutely. just hilarious to me because one of those doctors that you talk to who you see like a thousand of uh, in Half-Life 2 is just one guy. Nice. <laughs> so it's just funny to me that like they were just doing what they could with the models that they had back then. You know what I'm saying? And kudos to them. They didn't need everyone to look different. Because it was so such a minute detail, right? Yeah. And I have a note about these guys because you could um, go up to people and hit E mm -hmm. and talk to them, and they would follow you, right? Mm -hmm. Scientists would heal you, and the uh, security guard guys would like help provide covering fire and stuff for you. Scientists healed you. Yeah. Yeah, they'll give you twenty five percent. I had no injection. idea that would have been nice. <laughs> You don't just obsessively talk to every rando you run in in video games? Uh, I made a note that when when I'm having people follow me and they would just stop running for no reason and be like, I'm not going a step further. They caught a bullet to the head. <laughs> you sure are, buddy. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to just shoot you before an alien comes and eats your guts. Yeah, you, you, didn't, you did them a favor, honestly, because if they're still <laughs> that far down in Black Mesa, they're not getting out at that point. <laughs> 
Yeah, for real. And it's fine. I'm a nerdy doctor. I'll take on the entire United States yeah, military. See? I'm with the science yeah. team. We're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the surface, eh? We're gonna get a helicopter, eh? And you're gonna find a rocket launcher, eh? Up there, because everybody's just got a locker rocket launcher laying around. <laughs> um, I will say that like the AI and the the you know having them follow you and things like that is one of the areas that this game didn't age great. Yeah, it, there, it's very the good very news clear to that, that though. Is it wasn't necessary in too many spots. I can only think of like two times off the top of my head where you really had to get somebody to follow you somewhere. Yeah, and it and it was usually, you know, you just needed to clear the pathway. Yeah. And there was one instance where I needed this security guard to follow me through this doorway to come over to this other area to just open the next door, right? It was on surface tension, I believe, yeah. up there and all those. And I had killed an enemy that died in the the doorway and he just <laughs> would not step over it, right? Dang. So I had to take I had to get him to follow me and take him to the other side of the room, go back over there, launch a fucking grenade and blow that enemy to smithereens so it was no longer there, and then he would walk through the doorway and follow me. <laughs> Bet you wish you had some of that Skyrim corpse-bothering technology Yeah, dude, I wish point. I could have just picked that motherfucker up and chucked him out of the way. <laughs> did you try to eat your mic? What'd you do? No, I went, chuck, and hit myself in the face with the mic. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be a loud thump. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I almost split my lip. That hurt like a motherfucker. Anyway, um... I lost my train of thought when he all say something. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking, like, <laughs> thinking about the story of this game, because we kind of talked about the very intro, and I was like, I thought it was really neat the way they kind of built up to everything. First is everybody just greeting you, saying, oh, hello, Gordon, and telling you that they've had your presence requested down in, like, the science lab to do an experiment. And you find out Gordon's job is basically just pushing boxes of radioactive material into a radioactive thingamajig. <laughs> yeah. I wondered something about this, because Gordon Freeman, at the very beginning of the game, is shown to be really highly qualified. Like, he has a theoretical science PhD from MIT. He's not some random jamoke, and yet he seems like he has the most, like, blue-collar yeah, job. Yeah, and kind of in the intro, too. Like, they give us title. I don't remember what it was. Like, something like a yeah, it was, it was a research yeah. associate, I think. So it's just like, yeah, and Gordon is not like high level. Like they seem to like the guy. Like everybody seems nice and friendly with him, but like, he is yeah. obviously not a high level employee of Black Mesa. Yeah. The f the first security guard offers to buy him a beer when we get out of this. We are never, never getting out ever, of this. Ever getting back together. <laughs> um, fun fact on that entrance. Um, you know when you get to that one area when you're in the you're in the tram still. And to your right, there's the security guard, and he talks to you and then lets you through. So in Half-Life Blue Shift, which is one of the like expansions for it, you play as that guy. Oh, cool. And you, you get to, like, you're there, nice. and you watch Gordon come in on the tram, and you talk to him, and then go on, and then that's where the game starts, is you're like, you're that dude trying to deal with nice. what's going on. That's really cool. But look back to the story kind of part of it. Like, I liked how like the scientists were like, a couple of them seemed nervous, and the other one was like, no, Gordon, it'll be fine. Go on, do your job, kind of thing. And it was not <laughs> fine. He did his job, but it was not fine. Oh, no, it was not fine at all. And not to, that. And I have confidence in you, Gordon. You won't cause a resonance cascade. I don't know if it's because I took my time making my way down there or what, but some of the scientists seemed very annoyed with me. Like, <laughs> they don't yeah, like it if you don't. talk to him. Some of them don't like it if you talk like. to him at all. Like you just walk past a random scientist; they just get kind of pissy with you. Well, jokes on them because they're going to get eaten by a crab monster from yeah, space. I will say <laughs> that when I loaded up a uh, Black Mesa and was checking that out, 
in one of the areas where all the scientists are at, one of the scientists got snarky with me, so I picked up his keyboard from his computer and threw it at him. <laughs> nice. And it was satisfying. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the way the... Perry, this shit casual. It builds like... It seems very mundane in the beginning, you know what I mean? Until yeah, it's not. He's just showing up to work. And then when that... It's almost like the uh, like a reactor failure, almost like whatever happens, they open up this fucking portal to this other world and these fucking creatures start coming through. That's where basically the game starts is that boom, now you're in this alien infested underground lab. Yeah. And it's up to you to kind of get out because everybody's like, Gordon, you got to get out of here. Get us some help. I don't know why we decided to go old timey people for the NPCs in this game, but I'm cool with it. Well, I mean, they all. I'm trying to do an impression of something that I can't do a very good impression <laughs> of, honestly. The uh, I like that you could, in theory, like one of the things is they were like, we wanted to give you the ability to save some of the people that were in there with you, like the scientists and stuff. And I thought to myself, like, I wonder how, because like I said, they would get to some points, they'd just be like, I'm not going a step further. Or they would just die. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't press the elevator button the first one you see. That's a that's a good way to save a couple yeah. of them. Oh man, that that is such a funny scene though. Like, I, I know I drew a reference to Portal because like Portal has kind of like a lot of like black humor to it, and then it's like this game definitely has its moments of dark humor. Oh, yeah, you know? for sure. Go ahead and describe that scene for. Oh, just straight up when you're early on, like shortly after the resonance cascade, and you go forward into an elevator. There's like, or you go forward. There's a room with an elevator that's clearly there. And there's a button you can press, and you can just beep beep. And the moment you press it, you just hear screaming, and an elevator falls from above with like three scientist guys so on it. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> that's no. Oh, you didn't do that. I I can't believe you didn't that's hit awesome. the elevator button. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very very early on in the game too. Apparently they like. That was one of the first things they added to the game as well. Like, they did that to try to make, like, the director laugh or whatever, and he loved it. So, they're like, yep, this is staying in. And then that's kind of where the game kind of starts, and then um, you start trying to run around just to try to get out of the first area, and you find the crowbar. Yeah. So, you finally have a way to start doing things. And it kind of does a good job of leading you around to get to where you need to go next. So, you see you have this crowbar here. You're like okay, this has to be for something. So you find out that you start running around hitting stuff with it, and you're like, you hit the glass out of this door, and you're able to go through the bottom corner if you crouch and walk through it. So I thought, I was like, oh, that's why they gave me the crowbar. So it does a good job of leading you and showing you the mechanics of what you're supposed to do with the game. Yeah, like you... Oh, go ahead. I will say... Oh, go ahead. Damn it. Okay. Well, <sighs> I, I liked, too, that like they would put crates in your way that like obviously you couldn't jump over yeah but if you just started whacking them with your crowbar they would just they would just be break apart in front of you and there's oh okay so then you start thinking about that too like it's like oh okay so you can use this there might be areas that you don't you know you can't see but if you break the boxes away there might be something back there or the uh, like the air vent having to break in the air vent same way the glass and stuff like it was very cool the way they kind of yeah like you said kind of just led you to figure that out yeah, not only does the game do a good job of teaching you element, like, element by element early on, but, like, I, I know I'm kind of jumping the gun and going into level design, but I tend to get lost really badly in true 3D first-person shooter games, and I feel like this game had really good navigation. Like, the levels were very, it was it very linear? Yeah, but, like, I feel like it was really easy to navigate and get to where I was supposed to be going. Like, I never felt really super confused. I appreciate the more linear design. Like, I don't think it was super, super linear. Because, like, there were things you could do to explore. But the fact that it was kind of clear where you were supposed to go next saves a lot of frustration in a lot of points in games. Like, I think I mentioned this to you guys that I think that 
um, Jedi Outcast wanted to be this game and failed. I think a lot of first-person shooters that came out after this game, now that I've played it, the fingerprints are all over so many. Like, Doom 3 wanted to be this game extremely hard, too. It's just in different directions. Like, the way the narrative storytelling is done through environmental elements and people, you don't, well, I mean, Doom 3 is like, oh, you're going to look at audio logs all day. This game is just like, no, a guy will talk to you for two seconds and then you go forward. You will see what is happening. Yeah, for sure. And I really quite enjoyed, like, that the fact that there was only like maybe two or three spots that I had to look up a guide, mm-hmm. but it was because I was just clearly missing something. Like I was just looking over it. You know what I mean? Like the one area I told you guys that I spent like an hour and a half wandering around, like what the fuck do I do? And then I go over to the elevator and there's a button next to it that I just <laughs> didn't see. And that's just me being blind. But I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something about Jedi outcast wanting to be this game. Cause like early on in Jedi outcast, there are scenes where it obviously thinks that some game by now has taught you that you need to try to destroy this bit of uh, non obviously destroyable material. And unless you've played something like half life, you're not bashing things with a crowbar all the time, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so we know there's a lot of good about this game. Um, what was like a level that jumped out to you? That was just, uh, because I have two, I have a big main one. And the main one, I, th- I think this this game is kind of famous for this. It starts off strong, and then there's there's some points that drag. Yeah, before, before we can get, kind of get to that, though, I kind of want to go a little bit more on story beats because, like, oh yeah, please. Uh, so basically, so that was kind of like the very intro of the game. Then you start like going through the lab, trying to get back to the surface so that you can get out and try to get help or whatever. Um, so basically, the whole time you're down there, you're fighting all these alien looking creatures for a better term like you have the head crab which is obviously the most famous monster in the game and a bunch of other things and finally you start getting new and guns and stuff like that but at some point in the game you start noticing there's other humans down there shooting at you as well as the aliens oh that's right yeah yeah so at some point the u.s military has been called in and they're not your friend they don't like the aliens either but they also do not like you no, and I, if I remember right, they introduced that in a scene where you hop down and there's like a military dude and a scientist mm-hmm. and the scientist is like, oh, they're here to yeah. save us. And then that military dude just fucking guns that motherfucker down dead. And then yeah. they start shooting at you and you're like, oh, what the hell? And you can kind of hear them talk like as you're going through. And basically, yeah, they're sent in by the government to clean up this fuck up. And the soldiers are not exactly happy that they're having to go in there and just massacre civilians. You know what I'm saying? But it's what they were told to do. And it's it's an interesting uh, dynamic that it throws in. Yeah. And something interesting about the mechanics between that, too, is like the aliens and the um, military start fighting each other, too. So, like, you can kind of walk into an area and there will be already a battle going on before you walk in. And so those situations, I kind of sat back and ate popcorn, saw who won, then cleaned up the rest, you know? Yeah. If it reminded me of any game, it's a little less like the infighting in Doom, where enemies that aggravate each other will fight. It reminded me of the infighting in Fallout 3, where it's like bandits will fight against, you know, rad scorpions and stuff because they're the top priority. But once that's over, whoever yeah. survived is yeah. coming after you. Yeah. Like, it was very factional. It was cool. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, speaking of the aliens... Uh, did you did you have to get grabbed by one of the things on the roof to know what they were? I I the didn't, barnacles? but I saw it happen to like another thing in the game, and I was like, so I was really good about avoiding them. Then at one point, I was like, what happens if I walk into this? I just like the curiosity got the best of me, so I had to walk into one of them. <laughs> 
I had a uh, after seeing that dude get grabbed, there were a few times where I would just run around a corner and not see it and run into it and start getting yeah. lifted up and I would just have to really quickly aim up and yeah. just fire a couple bullets up and then they would drop you. My favorite thing about those guys is sometimes they would drop weapons and things to you after you killed them cuz they had already eaten somebody else that had something that you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I kept expecting them to be used for like some kind of transport at some point, so I kept kind of looking around like could I get up to that bridge <laughs> if I got grabbed? But I don't think they were supposed to be useful. One one of the most satisfying things in the game, so like the M16 that you get uh, has an its alternate fire is it launches a grenade, right? Yeah. And I went into this room that had like Mm. six of those things on the roof, and I just shot this grenade perfectly in the center. It killed all six of them in one grenade. I was like, yes! (laughs) God, it felt so good. Yeah, I mean, it's not an FPS without an arsenal. So y'all want to talk about the weapons a little bit? Because I feel like that is pretty important. Yeah, sure. yeah and I have, a, I have a fun fact about the weapons. So that'll be a good little piece of that. And then we can roll back into the rest of the uh, the story beats and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so I was going to say, like, there's a bunch of weapons. And it's it's kind of weird the way they have it laid out to how you switch between weapons. But I think Willie has something he wants to go into on that piece of it. So I'll just go ahead and list a couple of my favorite weapons. And forgive me for not knowing the names. Um, but one of my favorite weapons in the entire game was the, um, upgraded pistol. I think it was like more like a Magnum from a video game. Yeah. That thing would just like, if you could get the jump on Zoe, that thing would kill things in like two shots as opposed to like the machine gun that took forever to kill, but it was the easiest to use. Um, I found myself using the machine gun and the shotgun the most when I was in pressure situations, the Magnum when I could sneak up, but my favorite two weapons of the game were both alien weapons. Yeah, son. So one of them was the Hornet launcher. So you find this at the beginning of one episode. It's like what the aliens use that have the arm sticking out of their chest that shoots the Hornets at you. You get to use that weapon in the game. And it has regenerable, regeneratable? Whatever the word for that should be. Ammunition. So like you can shoot like seven or eight shots out of it to kind of hide a little bit. It reloads itself over time. And you can jump back out and shoot some more. So I was getting a lot of mileage out of that late in the game. And then there's one of the, I don't know the name of it at all, but it was kind of like an energy rifle, I would say, where you could shoot things from a distance that this beam of light that did a ton of damage. That weapon was great. That was my favorite weapon. That was probably the uh, Goss gun or the Wulon gun. Did either of you get the little weapon where you like had the grub? I hated that. It was so bad. (laughs) Dude, I used that thing. I threw a bunch of them out and it killed the guy and then they all came at me. Yep. (laughs) And I was like, what is this stupid? I never used it again. (laughs) And there were a couple weapons that I never found any use for, like the uh, trip mines. Yeah, I never used those. And things like that. I never never Mm -hmm. had any use for those. But like the M16 with the grenade launcher was my best friend. The shotgun um, and that that ray beam rifle thing was just tremendous. Um, Quick fun fact. The pistol that you get in the beginning, the crowbar does more damage than that pistol. But that, I believe that that this this is a typical useless pistol in a first person shooter. The moment you have another yeah. gun, you don't yeah, want to use it. It again. is basically for you to pop shots off at things at a distance, and then as you close the distance, whip that crowbar out and beat him to death. Yeah, I just I thought that was interesting. I'm like, oh yeah, this this fucking pistol is not even as good as the melee weapon. Oh, it's so bad. But like, yeah. So what about you? Really? What were your favorite weapons? I mean, I didn't get far enough into the game that I had the whole lineup of weapon. One thing I would like to complain about is that I am terrible <laughs> at hand grenades at first-person shooters. I I will never be good at them. If I'm, I may learn them one day, this was not this week. 
I can't do it. I, I, I just can't. I've never been good with them, and these were no different. I never know how far I'm going to throw them. I never know how long I'm going to wait for them to blow up. I never know how to use them in a situation where I don't I like have the to drop grenades, off actually, because one thing it was really good at doing was scaring the humans. So if you threw a grenade out, they would go, mm. grenade, and start running. So, like, a lot of times they were too slow to get away from it. Oh. But even if they did get away from it, you were able to pop some shots off at them that they couldn't really do much about because they were trying to get away from the grenade. I was saying, and if they're running, they can't shoot back or anything. So, yeah, that's a good strategy, actually. I also thought it was weird that the three button was mapped to both the shotgun and the assault rifle because I feel like those weapons don't use the same ammo. They don't wear a similar niche. Like, I don't get there why were they were on the same that button. didn't make sense. Like, the Hornet gun, like the alien gun I was talking about, and the rocket launcher were on the same button. I think it was six. Like, there was a lot of that going on in this game yeah. that I really didn't necessarily agree with the way they mapped it out. Uh, real quick, one more gun that I got that was fantastic, but I didn't ever have, like, a ton of ammo for it was the uh, the cross, the hand crossbow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was great. Mm. That thing was, like, one-shot kill on most stuff, and you could shoot it underwater. So when you were later on, when you were dealing with those fucking giant mutated fish alien things, like you could have some way to defend yourself other than the crowbar. The pistol actually worked underwater too, believe it or not. I never even tried it. Wow. There you go. There you go. How? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't make this game. <laughs> well, we'll ask the but, myth no, Willie, I agree with you that swapping between weapons was kind of burdensome sometimes because I was doing it with the scroll wheel. Yeah, me too. Right. And the scroll wheel is weird too, because like when you scroll wheel it, you have to click the shoot primary yep. fire button. And God to forbid the you weapon. scroll and forget that, and then you go to shoot at somebody and you just switch weapons. Yeah. You're like, oh, and then you fuck. accidentally have a grenade in your hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. There, there were definitely times that uh, I fucked myself over doing that. But, yeah, for sure. Because you just you, you wanted that stopping power of a shotgun shot or whatever, and you're not getting it. So as the game's going on, basically the whole thing is you're trying to make your way back up and get out of Black Mesa, right? And as you're making your way through, you know you, you have these uh, ability to save some scientists, quote unquote. Um, and like you said, you're dealing with the military and stuff like that. But then you get to my first, the first level that I complain about, and. A lot of everything I saw online, a lot of people complained about the length of this level. That's not what bothered me. It was just a lot of uh, hidden stuff behind corners, and that was on a rail. Mm. So it was okay. where, yeah, you were basically on this. Uh, what was it like a trolley? Yeah. Maybe like a me- mechanized trolley thing, and you're having to ride around, and you might have to. Uh, it took me a couple a couple routes around to realize that I needed to shoot this fucking sign thing that would then flip and change the direction of the track. Yeah in some spots but a lot of those were like these situations where i would and and nate and i you you probably had to deal with this too um you'd go like into a new area and then all of a sudden there would just be like a turret and three dudes and it was like yeah fuck it was completely something that you couldn't be prepared for like you would get into that room and then all of a sudden you're getting shot at there was one that was i thought was especially egregious where you come around the corner and it's shooting rockets at you yeah yeah what the fuck and it's just like oh duck i guess or <laughs> i guess you could have ducked that might have been smart but it's like there was no way to anticipate these things coming it was kind of like typical of that era bs that the game would throw at you so one thing that i thought ended up being extraordinarily cr- crucial and important in this game was saving constantly 
Oh yeah, bro. All the time. Especially in uh and we'll we'll talk about this the uh the platforming areas of the first person shooter. You know, oh god, no god. one after every jump. <laughs> Every fucking jump, dude, save. Because I know I'm going to fall off yeah. this motherfucker. But back to honor rail, like, yeah, like, th- that was the problem with that level. Like, I-, I didn't think it was too long, and I didn't think it was too confusing to navigate. I mean, it wasn't easy, but, like, you could get there. But just the yeah. egregiousness of the placement of enemies and turrets and stuff was kind of stupid. But there was some lore stuff in that particular stage that I liked. Because at that point, you started seeing signs that was like, die gordon freeman and things like that like the military was actively aware that you were the one causing all these problems for them that there was a human fighting back and providing as much resistance as the aliens were yeah and that you know that makes a lot of sense well because when i was seeing those i was like who would write this like who hated me at black mesa this much <laughs> but that makes sense that it would <laughs> that it would be the military that are looking after you and my, my question is like I have a st- whose blood are they using to write that on the wall like what the fuck <laughs> I have a stupid anecdote which was I knew before this game two things that one on a rail was a commonly criticized level people say it's really long and two that the game starts you off on that cable car trolley thing or whatever so for whatever reason I conflated that in my head and thought the game had like a 30 minute intro <laughs> where you're on the car so like I was pleasantly surprised when you just get right off of it you're right in the game oh yeah no yeah and and like uh, I believe it's after on a rail that you start getting into. Is that where you start getting into the underwater stuff? Yeah. So what, like after on a rail, you actually get captured. Like you get grabbed and you lose That's all right. your weapons. Everything is taken away from you, and they throw you into a, a trash compactor. Very Star Wars. So like this trash compactor starts compacting, and you have to get out of the trash compactor. And that's when you end up more at that water area that you're talking about, Dalton. With no weapons to start off. With no weapons, yeah. And once you get out of the trash compactor, you can like climb up the ladder and go to the other side of the room on the big upper thing, and you'll find a crowbar. But like other than that, you, that's all you got for a long time after that. And then, man, I was in this one part, and I got so fucking frustrated because at the end of On a Rail, uh, or you know what, you know what, Nate, I think it's after after the underwater stuff is when you get caught because at the end of on a rail you're on that cart and it just starts going fast as fuck or is that the end of apprehension no i don't know it was one of the one of those where you're on that cart and the cart just starts going super fast and you can't stop it and you have to either jump off or ride that motherfucker when it crashes off into the water yeah that was at the end of apprehension before residue processing okay so whenever that happens you go into that water area i was stuck I was stuck and I could not figure out what the deal was running all around this fucking area. Turns out the way that I needed to go had some debris. Ah. And who would have thought you had to fucking crouch underwater yeah. to get past the debris. <laughs> mm. What the fuck? That th- That is a very, this game was made in 1998 yeah. type of moment. Dude, when I realized that that's all I had to do, I was so mad at myself. It was like missing. <laughs> oh, you... I know you were mad. You typed about it. You were like not having a good oh, yeah, time so, with that. I was so annoyed because it was like, man, I, as stupid as I felt about that elevator button, <laughs> I felt equally stupid in this situation yeah. as well. But then I think the game kind of has an upswing at that point too, though. I think the levels are kind of a lot, a little bit more fun again after <clears throat> on a rail 
And then um, there's a lot more better puzzles in that section, too, where you have to, like, do timing kind of stuff, where you have to stop a fan and all that kind of stuff. And then I think the next part where the game gets just too... This is the part of the game where I was like, this is a huge slog. It took me, like, two or three sessions of playing the game to beat it, was the surface tension level. Yeah. That is my biggest complaint about this game, is how long that level was, because it was enormously long, how much bullshit the game throws at you in that level it it, it, was, it, it wasn't fun like that was because that's oh I was, that's the level where they they introduce the big buff aliens that shoot at you and that's also the level they throw tanks at you isn't it they throw tanks at you they throw helicopters at you they throw the huge aliens at you it's like and like the thing about the helicopters really suck because you can kill them but if you do it you might not have any ammo left to deal with anything else and it, it was just <laughs> you can't crowbar the helicopter so like uh like you remember this part where you were climbing on the the part that irritated me the most was probably the cliff climbing section where you're trying to get up the cliff and there's like yeah. turrets everywhere military guys everywhere and a helicopter constantly shooting at you while you're trying to get up the cliff yeah that helicopter bugged the shit out of me in that area until i found the uh, rocket launcher. the rocket launcher yeah which save before you try to shoot it because you're gonna miss a few times <laughs> yes sir and then uh not only that uh, in, in that one area, so there's an area, I think it's on surface tension. It might be a little later, but I know not too long after surface tension is where you go into the alien world. So it has to be surface tension where you're running along this area. It's almost like a dam bridge. Yep. Right. That's also and on surface like tension. A, just to remind you how long tower. this level is. <laughs> the, the tower that you have to get. So that's the level where I sent you guys the screenshot where there was a guy across the bridge um, back the way I came. So that laser rifle thing that we were talking about it's pr- secondary shot you could charge it up if you held it and it would the gun would and just get louder and louder and then you could blast it in like that would take down a helicopter in like two of those shots and fully charged right uh, okay so i shot one at this dude just to try to take him out from a distance with it and that gun has recoil and will send you flying backwards <laughs> and it it sent me flying up <laughs> And over the fucking building that was behind me, and I went behind oh. it and out of the map, right? So oh, I'm now what? like, oh shit! So I walked forward, and it walked me forward, and I walked through some glitchy looking shit, and then I was on top of the building that <laughs> I was standing. I'm looking down, and I'm like, Dude, I hope it doesn't kill me when I jump <laughs> off this fucking thing. So I ended up having to jump off the top of that into the water because I I needed to go over there anyway to get up that tower on the ladder and everything. But luckily, while I was up on that building, uh, the giant evil fish monster that was in that water would surface every now and then while it was swimming around, and I saw it. So I just stood up there with my, I think I used the crossbow, and just waited till it would surface, and I'd pop a couple shots into it until I killed that motherfucker. <laughs> then I dove in the water. Smile, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yeah, and that, but yeah th- that's also the level that had two, not one, but two minefields in it. Oh, God. Do you know that Ooh. I ran through both of those minefields and didn't step on a mine one time until I had finished what I was doing and then I was retracing my steps to find something else <laughs> and blew the fuck up, had to do it all over again because I tried oh, to save. no. Yep. See, what you need is you need a <laughs> box full of wind-up rabbits. <laughs> I'm not putting my mouth on that. Hey. Uh, but a- a- after Surface Engine, man, I got to say, this game gets weird. <laughs> I was going to ask what you guys thought of the alien dimension stuff, because that is very so, controversial. Yeah, like, you end up going through a portal into the alien world, right? <laughs> so, 
my biggest well real quick before that i just want to say the first person platforming to get into the portal to go into the alien world almost made me quit playing this game. no i was gonna actually bring that up because you eventually you get this thing called the long jump apparatus or whatever it was called and the control to do the long jump was you had to press crouch let go of crouch and press jump really fast. So it was like a really awkward timing thing to do the long jump. And uh, it just did not feel good. It really didn't. And there was oh, necessary no. parts where I had to save after every single jump in order to make sure I made it to where I wanted to. And the problem with Gordon Freeman's long jump is that he does not <laughs> yell Woo-hoo! when he does I it. didn't play the tutorial level, so I didn't. I had to look up how to long jump. The long jump was in the tutorial. I I had to look it up because when it was like, oh, yeah, just you're going to have to use the long jump to get through this part. I was like, uh, how do I? So it was like I I shift, run, jump, walk, jump. I tried everything and then I just finally looked it up and I was like, wait, you have to be running and then hit crouch, let go and then hit jump really quickly and then you'll do a long jump. That's weird. Yeah, not not intuitive or good feeling. I would have rather like double tap your space bar. Or just give me it. Or just put it on Z. Just give me a different button for it. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like in general, like, I mean, we generally speak about how platforming typically doesn't feel great in first person uh, shooters and stuff. But I felt like even in the tutorial in this, it felt like you had to jump Mm -hmm. a lot later than you thought. And that became a really big problem on some of those narrow platforms in the alien world that you had to jump to specifically that one where you had to make your way up like uh actually it was during the final boss fight not to jump too far ahead but during the so during the final boss fight nate did you get hit with that like green it shoots portals at you yeah and then it puts you at the bottom of that fucking tower you gotta climb your way back up dude i have like 15 saves (laughs) that are just stages of me getting up that fucking thing yeah but the thing about the alien worlds i thought they did some neat stuff in the alien world stuff like i didn't hate it completely i wish that it would have relied less on platforming for those parts yeah but like there was a part where you go into like this factory for the alien world the alien world is called zen i believe x-e-n yeah. and yeah, so X-E-N, you go yeah. in there there's like this alien factory where all the xenons <laughs> are working yeah. and so they don't even really pay attention to you. You can walk past a ton of aliens and they won't even attack you because they're just too busy concentrating on whatever job they're doing, which I thought was a really neat touch. Cause like you're just fall, getting on their elevator. They see you, but they don't care. <laughs> you just continue the, down the path from there. <laughs> they just turn to get to the test chamber, Gordon <laughs> Friesen. But, and this is where you get like a couple of real bosses. I feel like, cause there's one level called Gonark's lair where you fight what is essentially a giant head crab. That was a ridiculous fight because it was like multi-stages too. Yeah. And, man, that was one fight that like I died a few times uh, in the second stage. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like like when you're, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in the first area you're fighting it, it's kind of like a more open area. And when you go into that second area, it's very much smaller, more small yeah more small area and it's like smaller area and there's a hole in the middle right if i remember correctly you can fall down into yeah yeah yeah, i believe so and then in the third area you have to fall down into the hole and shoot up at the thing till it falls down in there with you yeah and then that's where the end of the fight takes place is in that room and yeah dude that was that was an intense fight i i really quite enjoyed it yeah that was one of the the highlight actually it was like one of the better boss fights i've seen in an fps in a while yeah 
I was going to say, boss fights and FPSs are hard to get right, because either they're goofy puzzles, or they're just, like, way damaged, spongy I mean, versions it was damaged. of normal monsters. You it know? was damaged, spongy, make them feel in special. a lot of regards. If you had explosives, it went by a lot faster, so if you could throw a grenade and not get hit by it while it gets hit, it, that was a pretty good tactic against it, especially in that last phase where you're in the ground with it. Um, yeah. But you say that about FPS bosses, where they're usually like that. I say the final boss is like that. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the final boss, like all of a sudden Half-Life turns into Earthbound because the last boss is just this giant alien baby thing. Yeah. And you had to you had to shoot there was like these three orange crystals powering it up on the walls and you had to shoot those to destroy them and then like the baby's head would open up and there was like this weird portal brain thing. Yeah. And you had to like so in the alien world, there are these little pulsating growths on the ground. And if you stand on them and when you jump, it'll shoot you far up in the air. And you had to do that to get up into the air high enough to be able to shoot the boss in the brain. And uh, it might have been damage spongy. I used that ray gun and the powered up shot. So it only took about four or five of those shots to that brain. But man, having to dodge all the shit it starts throwing at you. And then it sends you in that portal, like I said, where it sends you into that fucking Tower of Doom. Where you have to first-person platform your way up this big-ass fucking thing to get up back into the fight. And uh, I hate first-person platforming. I think in my notes, I have I, period, <laughs> hate, period, first-person platform. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought that the boss wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but I didn't think it was a necessarily great or fun boss fight. Um, but then you destroy it. You get this big firework show. And then that's the end of the game. You go, get, the last thing that happens is you're, and we didn't mention this guy, but there's this guy you would sometimes see walking through that you could never quite keep up with. And he was this guy in this black suit. I think he had a fucking fedora on or whatever. The they call him the G-Man, yeah, so like, I believe. He's just a mysterious government looking figure guy. Yeah. So like when you finish the game, you're just now, much like you kill the giant alien and everything, you're on a train with the G-Man. Yeah. And he gives you a choice. You can either join him and step through this portal. It's a job offer. Or he'll He gives you a job offer. Yeah. And if you don't take it, he's just gonna leave you there. Yes, like <laughs> in the, alien so the job offer is, you know, you cut Gordon, you were able to take down an entire alien race by yourself. We could use a guy like you on our team. Or yeah. we'll leave you here and you'll fight one last battle that we promise you cannot win. And so if you go through the portal you know, you do a handshake, you get the job, you're good to go. If you don't yeah. go through the portal, you get transported into the room with just a... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so you're just in this room with just a bunch of those big alien guys with the arms coming out of their chest. And all you can do is look around because there's like a hundred of them around you. And you have no weapons because the G-Man had taken your weapons at that point. So, oh. <laughs> And then it just ends. And it just looks like a scene out of a bad porno. But... <laughs> Maybe maybe he actually survives <laughs> in that because he gives them all sloppy toppy. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we should probably talk about that. So that's the end of the game. Um, so I was looking through Steam reviews after I'd finished the game because I was like, yeah, this was a really fun game. I enjoyed this a lot. I'm glad I played it. So I just started reading through Steam reviews. And there was just this one that in particular jumped out to me. I kept looking at it for like two minutes because it kept making me laugh out loud over and over again because it just was the most ridiculous Steam review I'd ever seen. Um, 
It, this phrase is a cogito hazard, dude. This is some SCP <laughs> shit. Once it gets in your brain, it so, never leaves it. This is a review on Steam written by the account. Account name is Jerry. His profile picture looks like a little <laughs> weird hand-drawn MS Paint Pac-Man. <laughs> he has 11 <laughs> products on his account. And his review for Half-Life is Gordon Freeman Sloppy Toppy. And I don't know why, but it was like three in the morning when I finished Half-Life and I was looking at reviews. That just cracked me up for hours straight. Goddamn Freeman Sloppy Toppy. Yeah. It, it should be... You should be pointing out it's Gordam, which I don't even know yeah. where that spelling came from. That, that that's some if it was just Gordon, it would have been kind of funny. But the fact that he goofed up the first two letters, the last two letters of the first word, just it, it really sets up the expectation. It's the yeah, wind it's, up before it's the pitch. I've seen online. I don't know what it is, but like there are groups of people who refuse to use the letter N. Like they just don't like the letter N for some reason, so they'll replace it with the letter M. That's rude. So, like, I've seen, like, you know how people call a fat cat chunk? Yeah. They'll call it chomp. I don't know when know what they call it. me, mate. <laughs> g'day, g'day, Mike. <laughs> Is Adam one of those people? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I have uh, something interesting that I pulled up. So, Half-Life spawned a lot of mods, right? And Half-Life spawned yeah. a lot of mods that turned into other things. Like, for instance, Counter-Strike. Um when I first loaded up Half-Life and started shooting people, I was like, this seems very, very familiar to me. This And then it clicked with me. Oh, that's because I've put hours and hours into Counter-Strike and that's where this originated. You know, or that's where Counter-Strike originated was this. So I have two lists and these lists are not complete. So there are more than this. But I have the list for the source, okay. the source version and the gold source version. And I'm not going to go into details. I'm not going to go into details of all of these, but like, okay. yeah, I will just name them off. And this is for Half-Life and Half-Life 2. Keep that just in mind. Just to give you an example of how many mods are out there for this game. Yeah. Uh, for the Source version, 1187, Age of Chivalry, Awakening, Battlegrounds 2, Black Mesa, which was turned into a retail game, uh, Black Mesa Azure Sheep, mm-hmm. Casualty Effect, City 14, City 17, Episode 1, City 7, Toronto Conflict. Uh, Coastline to Atmosphere, Combined Destiny, Day Hard, Dear Esther, which is turned into a retail game. Dino what? D-Day, which was turned into a retail game. Uh, D-I-P-R-I-P, Dystopia, Entropy Zero, 1 and 2. Uh, Fake Factory Cinematic Mod, G-String, <laughs> Gary's Mod. Uh, Gary's Eclipse, Mod, Eternal dude. Silence, GoldenEye Source, Gordon Freakman, uh, Guard <laughs> Duty, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Half-Life 2 Aftermath, Half-Life 2 Dawn, uh, Insurgency, Modern Infantry Combat, uh, Lambda Wars, Lost Squad, Minerva. Uh, let me scan over some more of these. Uh, Neo Tokyo, No More Room in Hell, Opposing Force 2, Perfect Dark Source, uh, Portal Stories Mel, Portal Prelude, Portal the Flash version map pack. Uh, the Stanley Parable started as, as a Half-Life mod. Damn. Uh Star Trek Enterprise Temporal Cold War uh, looks like Xeno Clash started as a was originally planned as a mod that made into a retail game and and then like for Gold Source there's even more of the ones that you would recognize um, Absolute Redemption Action Half-Life Afraid of Monsters uh, Action Half-Life was supposed to be huge back in the day but I never got a chance to play it I've heard it was awesome though I've never actually heard of it 
uh, people said it was like I think it was like like a really great multiplayer mod. Um, speaking of Counter Strike, which was turned into a retail game by Valve, oh. uh, Black Ops, not Call of Duty Black Ops, but just a game called Black Ops. Um, Cat Life, <laughs> uh, Crack Life, <laughs> Chris, Christmas Life, uh, Cry of Fear. Oh, Cry of Fear! I did not realize um, that that's where that came from. Day of Defeat. Huh. Uh, let's see, Paranoia, Ricochet. Uh, Shaft? Oh, looks like that was canceled. Wait, that's one uh, bad t- video game. Uh, Team Fortress. <laughs> um, They Hunger, The Ship, and USS Dark Star. And there's a bunch of other ones that I skipped over just because they're like Half-Life before, Half-Life, Critical Mass, Half-Life, Echoes. Like, there are so many fucking mods for these. Just these two games, Half-Life. Yeah. It's insane. This game's definitely left an imprint on video games as a whole. Like, this game goes beyond just being a huge monumental success for FPSs. I think it's culturally relevant and it's made an impact on just the way games are made in general. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's one of those things too, like Citizen Kane, where people will tell you this and you won't believe them, but even though it's super important, it's a foundational part of the history, it still holds up. Go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Half-Life 1 revolutionized first-person shooters the way that they came in with Half-Life 2 and revolutionized physics in a shooter, you know, which Mm. is going to be interesting when we get to like Half-Life 2 and it's got like the gravity gun and stuff like that, you know, which I think like that gave way to, is it, oh God, what's the name of the the shooter series? Um, Very dark aesthetic. Oh my God. Damn it. What the fuck is it called? Give us a hint. What's it about? Like a dude. Painkiller. Painkiller. Cool. That's. I, I was trying to think of like you're. I was gonna say you're like a dude in a trench coat style thing, but then I was like, no, that's like hatred and portal or postal, and that's not. But yo, know, postal. No, we cannot possibly get postal and portal. I know they're one letter off. But they're very different. But first painkiller has the the nail gun. Painkiller. Okay. Where you can shoot people and, and nail them. To oh, the wall. that's right. Like in different, and it, I think that probably came from things like Half Life. You know. Yeah. Those ideas. That's the thing about Half-Life yeah. 2 is like, it's not the game that I was expecting to be perfectly honest. Like I was expecting a much more physics oriented game, something that did a lot more different kind of things with the world around it. Um, kind of more portally in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. The physics puzzles were more like push the boxes until yeah. you've made a little staircase. So it didn't quite hit where I thought it was on that, but that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the game as a whole. Like it just turned into a different experience that when I went in, than what I went in expecting. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I I said this in the chat and I'll say like I, I'm interested to when we finally and I, you know I think we should wait a while but like when we finally get around to playing Black Mesa which is the remake of Half-Life 1 mm. um because I believe that they remade it in the Half-Life or the uh yeah Half-Life 2 Portal 2 engines so you know there's just it's a lot prettier I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, you said some screenshots sure. of it. It looked great. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, so if you guys were going to give this a rating, uh, what would you what would you throw at it? Yeah, so like I said, I really think this game has a lot. It did a lot for video games as a whole. I think it aged well, but not perfectly. I think it's still a very fun game, but yeah. it does have those issues that we talked about earlier in this show. So for me, um, it's a great game, worth playing, but 
it, you know, the parts that did age poorly aged poorly, but for the most part aged well. So I'm going to give this eight Gordon Freemans out of 10 sloppy toppies. <laughs> of course you did. Uh, I have of to course agree. You said that. Uh, I was thinking a solid eight sloppy out of toppies. <laughs> I'll say if, if we were reviewing this game when it came out and we gave it anything less than a 10, we, <laughs> we should be hit with crowbars. But as it is an older game, I, I mean, I have a little bit more affection for the old FPS games, I think, than you guys did. And I still think this was fantastic. I didn't finish it, so I'm missing some of the later levels that may have brought it down a little bit for me. But I'm going to go ahead and give this one a full nice. nine crowbars out of ten. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it didn't hold up as well as, like, I think Portal did. Because we all came out of Portal being like, holy shit, this is the best. <laughs> yeah. 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 And... I think that's probably because they just took things they learned in Half-Life and then transferred that over to Portal. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm, I'm really intrigued by Half-Life 2 at this point yeah. as well because, like, you know, they took everything they learned from here and moved it forward. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah I mean, this game was brilliant, but I cannot overstate that this is only five years after first-person shooters thought they had to have <laughs> lives and high scores yeah. in them. And I want to say that, like, Half-Life 2 is to Half-Life 1 what Portal 2 was to Portal 1. And we know that that was a big jump. Yeah, nice. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to get around to for sure. Well, boys, that about wraps up the Half-Life chat. And that means that it's my choice for the next oh. game. <laughs> yes, yes, oh. yes. And I... I didn't know you played I, video yeah, games. Yeah, I just started, man. It's it fucking... Cool. Have you ever heard of Half Life? Oh, it's pretty the, awesome. Is that the one with the old Gordon, Gordon Freeman sloppy toppy? Because I have heard of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Um. So my choice. Um. If we can, I'm going to wrangle in one Paul Corn to join us. Um. Uh oh. I do not know if Uh-oh. this is going to be a two parter. It might be depending on how much y'all like the game. Because I do know that this game's I think about thirty hours. Okay. Um. But I think it's gonna be fun. And that game is yakuza zero i'm down it's time yes back to back bangers baby let's go (laughs) i mean the whole premise of this podcast has been clearing out the backlog of the, the the all these games that we have but occasionally some of them is just like this is a game we've been wanting to get to for forever let's do it yakuza is definitely a series that i and i was torn between Yakuza 0 and Yakuza Like a Dragon because Yakuza 0 is the start of the story for 1 through 6 or I guess 0 through 6 but then Like a Dragon is its own thing so I was like I was torn but then I'm like but we're going to be playing Final Fantasy 7 so let's hold off on the turn based one for a while you know I do, I do definitely want to get to Like a Dragon, and I've heard it's a great on-ramp to the series for people, but I want to meet our boy Kiryu, find out what he's up to, you know? Like a Dragon yeah. introduced a new yeah, cast. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Zero is the prequel to all of the, like, so, you know, the first game, obviously, was Yakuza 1 and stuff like that, which, once we get to those games, um, I think they're all on Game Pass, they were, but they remade Yakuza 1 and 2 as Kiwami 1 and 2, nice. uh, Yakuza Kiwami, yeah. so... But that's that's for a later chat. But yeah, it's going to be Yakuza Zero. Uh, some just some fun beat 'em up action. All I'm going to tell you guys <coughs> is look out for the big beefy motherfucker who every time he hits you, he steals money from you. <laughs> that's that's all I got to say. And you'll you'll find out. You'll find. Out. Sweet. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'll I'll get in touch with Paul. I did mention it to him, and he said that he would be down. So we just got to kind of figure out his schedule and see what we you know with the recording and stuff. But that should be fun, Sweet. man. Sweet. 
I love me some popcorn. He's a good yeah, dude. Yeah, he is. I, to, I would say that this, this is like the most hype I've been in a while. Like, but I was <laughs> about this hype to do Half-Life as well. So, like, I, I don't know. The, the hits just keep coming for me. This is definitely something that I've kept saying. I want to play these games. I just need an excuse when the podcast yeah. gets to it. We're Hell doing yeah. it, baby. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess that uh, that about does it, man. So let's get into the house cleaning. Uh, if you want to come join us on Discord, you can go to bit.ly slash TSMP Discord, all capital letters. Come in there and join us. Talk about some video games. Uh, vote on the fan poll, which I believe uh, Final Fantasy VII won the last one. And I think American Truck Simulator mm-hmm. is in the lead on this next one that's going. Was it American I Truck? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor is close behind it, though, so if you would rather that game, then join, come vote, let your voice be heard. Um, if you want to be an awesome person, like uh, one of our many, many Patreons, you can go to, uh, pa- well, I say many, many Patreons, well, yeah, many, many as far as you know, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, patreon.com slash the Steam Machine Podcast. Uh, and a special shout out to those who donate $10 or more a month and that would be uh, Nate Sir Cogsworth the 7th of Juniper Jeff the original expendable Mr. Syllables himself old Jeffy Loop and Arisa Adam shout out to his podcast Revival and Extinction speaking of which dude just did a really good episode on the Metaverses video game that's coming out the WB um, Multiverse sorry gosh. Multiverses I get that wrong half the time too that's why I anyway it. it's a really cool uh, new um, platform fighting game that stars WB characters. And I think this episode was really fun on it. And I'm looking forward to playing that. And since he has it, maybe if we can get the Australia and United States time barrier broken, we could play together at some point. Right. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. That game. It sounds cool. He wrote me a message after, after I had edited it and sent it back to him and he posted it and he goes, ah, oh, man, that feeling when you spent the entire episode calling it multiverse. And then you realize it's called multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hard game title to get right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, he's a good dude. Check out his podcast. Uh, it recently got an uptick in uh, sound quality for some reason. Yeah, weird so how that works. That's it's been it's been nice. Um, I'd also like to give a shout out to Yav's Pod, yet another BS podcast, and JRPG Report, or two other shows you can find me on. Um, if you want to get a cool shirt with our logo on it, tsmpproductions.threadless.com. Uh, you want you like the show music? Pop over to nilethenightmare.bandcamp.com. That's where you can find all the music that I make. Uh, leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcast. And if you want a nice little link to take you to all of this bullshit that I'm talking about, and not have to type anything in other than once, bit.ly/slash the Steam Machine Podcast, capitalized phonetically, and that's where you can find our website with links to all the shit we do. And Nate, I'm gonna let you plug the new social media account that we have, my good sir. Yeah, we are now on TikTok as well. We're releasing some of the stupidest clips that we words yeah. that we say out loud and putting them to video and putting them on TikTok. So it's been a pretty fun time. You can find us there at I'm gonna let you guess, but it's the Steve Machine Podcast. <laughs> so uh, come follow us on TikTok. It's been kind of fun putting together those videos um, for us up there too. So it's been pretty cool. I like it so far. The uh, the interactions on them have been really interesting too. Like. Amnesia is doing really well. Yeah, getting some pretty good. <laughs> so it's yeah. Been interesting. It's, been, it's been fun to watch. I check in every now and then. You know, I go into the bathroom, I load it up, and I look, and I'm like, oh, damn, I got another 100 views. That's yeah, cool. the funny thing is, is like the second video we posted got way more views than anything I've ever posted to the Turtle Bear Man TikTok. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> dude, dude, hey, 
The TikTok algorithm is That's a what I was mystery, about to say. We've dude. had many a conversation behind the scenes about, dude, there's no fucking idea how TikTok works. <laughs> <laughs> like, as far as the algorithm goes, there's no idea. Um, um, I, I do have a uh, plug this week. I know I don't always, and I did plug the FPS documentary earlier, but I have one thing I definitely think that while we're on the subject of Half-Life, I'd like to call out, which is a... Uh, a show that originated on Twitch and it got moved over to YouTube called Half-Life VR, but the AI is self-aware. The entire show was available on YouTube. It's been done by a guy named uh, Wayne, Ra- uh, Wayne Radio TV. And it's basically just this hilarious like improv comedy show where this guy's playing Half-Life VR and his friends are in there on voice chat like pretending to be the NPCs and stuff messing <laughs> with him the whole time. And it's just incredibly funny. Like, when you talked about the ropes and I started laughing for no reason, that's because one of the running jokes on it is uh, Dr. Coomer, who plays one of the scientist characters, runs up to every single rope he sees. Look, Gordon, a rope. We can use these to traverse. <laughs> and it immediately gets grabbed by it. Help me, Gordon. <laughs> gets funnier every time it happened. But, like, I couldn't even take, like, seeing vending machines in this thing seriously because every time I saw a vending machine, I'm like, just remembering that time that... Wayne as Gordon smashed the vending machine with a uh, crowbar and all the other doctors and stuff just ran up and started making slurping noises like they're <laughs> drinking all the soda directly out of the broken machine. Like, it's really funny. It ends up, it, it's, it resolves very satisfyingly. Like, it has an actual story to it. But it's, like, seriously the funniest thing that I think happened on the internet in the year 2020. And, like, I highly recommend it. It's called uh, Half-Life VR, but the AI is self-aware. If you if you just type in HLVR AI, you'll usually get there. It's very, very funny stuff. Nate, uh, I know you're taking a break from streaming, sir, but do you want to plug anything? Uh, Yes, like, I am taking a break from streaming. I don't know how long it'll be, but, like, I'm still going to be on TikTok and Twitter. I haven't posted a TikTok in a hot minute either, but just find me at Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok, at TurtleBearMan. I'll be back eventually. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Um, One one last thing before we get out of here. Just something that I thought was a nice little touch in Half-Life, and it's that in the very beginning, when you're walking around you can walk over to the microwave and turn it on and just ruin someone's lunch. <laughs> like it just, that little touch is just hilarious. Nice. And, and I think it's, it's in that same room. You can go up to the vending machine and try to get something out of it. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, good luck, man. All the vending machines in this place seem to be broken. And it's because you can't get sodas out of them or anything. So it's just a little funny little joke. As long as if you crowbar them good enough, a bunch of soda will come running out of them. Because I crowbarred every single because. vending machine I saw. Because the whole time I was sitting there just imagining all my friends from HLVRAI over there <laughs> slurping up the soda and it made me laugh. Word up. Well, yes. Next time we'll be talking to your ears from our mouths. It will be about Yakuza 0. And I look forward to it, man. Yeah. So for the Destructo Bros, I'm Dalton. This has been the Steam Machine Podcast. And as always, guys. Gordon Freeman, Sloppy Toppy. Sloppy Toppy.